Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians discuss car topics from a perspective you won't find anywhere else. My name is Steve Schutz, and I've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years. And my co-host is trauma surgeon Stefan Moran, who has not only operated on countless car crash victims, but has also published research on car safety. Welcome to Cars on Call. Welcome to Cars on Call. I am Steve Schutz, and I'm here with trauma surgeon Stefan Moran, who is uh, somewhere near the beach and going to Stuttgart soon with the National Guard. Stefan, welcome and thank you for your service going with the National hey. Guard to Germany. Hey, well, it's top secret, dude. You know, I'd have to kill you if I told you where I was going <laughs> and where I'm currently at. I cannot tell you, but I can tell you that when I was on the beach today, I looked right, I looked left. I saw one building in the far distance on a military installation. Life is good. Damn, there are some cool. perks. Yeah, there's some perks. Well, you deserve some it. perks. Well, thank you. You, hey, you served too, dude. Hat off, hats off to you too. Not you did anymore. a deployment to Turkey. You know, you deployed, you separated from your family. So all veterans out there, hats off to all of you. And thank you to everybody who served. And thank you to all who continue to support our people in uniform. Amen. Amen. Stay safe. All right. So car spotting. I wanted to touch on car spotting. We don't, we don't do it every time, as you know, Stefan, but I saw a car it's so unusual to see this and it was like what did you see a mid 1990s volkswagen corrado oh corrado dude man so all right so listeners my roommate in college had a corrado and the corrado what first he had a scirocco then he got the corrado so it was that it was a successor to this it was a successor and it was the basically two-door gti and two-door hatchback and if you've never owned it i, I owned a two-door hatchback my 79 honda accord lx was a two-door hatchback if you're single no kids there is nothing like having a two-door hatchback you can open that hatch throw down the rear seat and you've got miles of space and the corrado was just the german driving version of the honda accord lx fabulous car yeah it looks it looks cool too you know i don't know why it, they didn't it stood the test i haven't seen one so long it's so it stood the test at times in terms of design you think yeah i I thought it looked really good i thought it's aged very well it's kind of boxy uh too many vehicles in the 90s were very jelly bean like and i think that look has not oh just like the was that a suzu jelly bean the suzu um yeah impulse uh, it was the impulse right the two-door hatch that was like this complete jelly bean like the lexus sc 400 of the era that's yeah there's, there was a bunch of just, them. It did not stand the test of time. It, it did not. Uh, and uh, this Corrado was pretty b- blocky and boxy a little bit. Nice. Uh, I don't know why they didn't save, keep the name Scirocco. I thought the name Scirocco was a good Scirocco name. Scirocco is so cool. I yeah. mean, it's like the Mistral. The Maserati had the Mistral. So the Scirocco listeners is the name of the wind that blows. So Europeans, people that live in Europe and Northern Africa, there are winds that blow predictably throughout times of the year and they give those winds a name so you've got the mistral you got the scirocco cool name so what was the, what was the color that you saw was it a like white or black silver silver okay yeah no surprise yeah no surprise but uh you know the thing i remember about it has a vr6 uh, engine which was a really nice. narrow angle like yeah. 15 degree v6 just a weird it's, it's related to the w8 um or the, even the w16 and the veyron right. um so it's just a very interesting engine and you know, it's just it, it, the Corrado, like the Scirocco, was on the golf platform. But 
Yeah, the uh, W18 is three of those stacked together. Yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly. That's all it is. It's uh it's weird how you can configure these engines by kind of coupling them together. Anyway, uh I don't think there's a W18, but it's a 16. Anyway, oh you're right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, whatever. It was cool to see and it made me happy. And they must not have been reliable because you just don't see them around anymore. I said, you know, I saw a I drove down to visit a friend of mine. And I saw a Karma Rivera. So the Karma is an electric vehicle. And here's what's kind of weird to me is the Karma Rivera is no different than the 2009 Fisker that I saw. Right. Fisker Karma. Yeah. Yeah. The Fisker Karma. So it's the same thing, except for now it's totally EV instead of a, a hybrid. The original, I think, didn't it have a mo just a simple engine in the back that then ran a generator. It wasn't actually coupled, I think. Yeah, it was a hybrid, design. but it was mostly electric. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. But it's too wide. It was way too hippie. The proportions were off. And the other weird thing, I, I went ahead and looked online about it. You know, they talk about they use tanned hides that use low emission, whatever. I don't know. All this weird shit. There's no lacquer on the wood. But okay, forget it. Let's talk about the mining of the heavy metals that go into the batteries and the little Chinese kids that are doing it. Okay. I know every step's a little step, but don't tell me that you've got some EV that all now you've got vegan interior and you're saving the world because it's an EV with a vegan interior or you don't put lacquer on the dash. Bullshit. Okay. The harvesting for, and the manufacturing of those batteries takes a toll on our environment. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, but you feel better if it's uh if oh, it's I feel way better. Oh, I feel way better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm so happy when I drink a beer and it's gluten-free. I feel like I'm saving somebody. Yeah, yeah, you are. Um, the thing I'll say about the Fisker uh or the Karma now, it's called the Karma, but the design's been out for a long time. And this struck me when when it came out, and it, it came out very close in time to the Tesla Model S. Right. And and at the time I thought, wait a second, this Fisker is designed by Fisker, who he designed the uh, BMW Z8, and he designed the um, Aston Martin, I think the DB7. Yes. Yeah. So he's got a really good portfolio, and then this, you know, he totally laid an egg with this Karma because it's just it's too wide, the proportions are wrong, and I remember thinking and it only seats four. And only yeah, it seats four, which is crazy. And why is it that Tesla? Has a better design sedan than this this famous designer. I thought the test the Tesla Model S looked and still looks a lot better. Here's the amazing thing about the Tesla S: that is an ancient design. Yes, that has stood the test of time. And the Model Three doesn't never appeal to me, but the Model S today looks as good as the day it came out. And you know, Chapeau Bas hats off. He's got a very complicated name, and I don't even want to try to pronounce his name, but the guy that designed it, the, the Tesla S, that yeah. is an unbelievable design. Yeah, he did a really good. The thing that's wrong with the Tesla Model 3 is it's very wheel dependent. If you don't get the performance wheels, it doesn't look good at all. You get the performance wheels, it looks fine. The Tesla Model S, it almost doesn't matter what wheels you use. It's yeah. a very, very good design. Again, do I like Tesla's? Not really, but that design is aged very well. Yeah, much, much sure. better than the Karma. So, so it's Franz von Holzhausen That's is it. the guy that designed the Model S, and it, it really is a it is a masterpiece design. Yeah, uh, it's just amazing. Um, 
if that's your name, you're not going to be like a drywall guy or electrician. <laughs> you have to be a car designer or a financier or something. Franz von Holzpeisen. Yeah. yeah, that's a cool name, <laughs> right? I mean, this is this is yeah. not going to be. It's not going to be a plumber. No, <laughs> but he, think about it. That design. I don't even know what year that came out, but well, fabulous designs. The Tesla time, and they haven't done anything to the car, and it still looks fabulous. It looks really good. Yeah. Uh, also, I, with that I, name, I like the Teslas. Also with that name, you must be married, have a wife, and at least one girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> She's blonde. <laughs> Her name is Elsa. Anyway, <laughs> okay. anyway, yeah, we'll move on. And, uh, move on. Move yeah. on before we get in trouble. So I got some news that I want to talk about because it's, right. it's, it's funny, not funny. Uh, mostly, I guess, not funny. Not funny? Okay. But it's, could, it's crazy right. news. And then I want to get into some, some more sales figures that struck right. me. But uh, there's a Hyundai dealership in, in Bedford, Ohio. There was a-, a Where the a, hell is Bedford, Ohio? I don't want to know, especially now. <laughs> there was a dispute between a customer of the dealership and a customer and a dealership employee in the service department. And as you do, the dealership employee shot the customer. Oh now, shit. He shot him in the thigh. So either they were wrestling. He's going for the boys. Up. Okay. For record, it's outside of Cleveland. I just looked it up. It's outside of Cleveland. There you go. There that that explains it. That so, explains it. Is I mean, we we were we were just we were dunking on on dealerships uh, months ago, and you know these things. It doesn't make any sense to have dealerships. I think they're going away uh, slowly, but I think they're going away. And here's another example: you go there, you know, you get into an argument and you get shot. <laughs> God, well, I've got some news for you. Yeah, this was sent to me by Jeff Bank, uh, previous host, and. Uh, he asked all these questions. I don't know where he, I don't even know how he got on this, but he sent me a link that Dr. Christopher Yang, a practicing urologist in Austin, Texas, who pr specializes in men's health. That's basically giving out blue pills and doing vasectomies. But anyway, he had a vasectomy scheduled and the power to his clinic in Austin went out from a rolling rollout. So what did he do? He plugged in his Rivian R1T and did the vasectomy. Dude, how cool is that? And we need to get Christopher on the show. I've got the, the, the link. He's got the extension cord coming out of his Rivian and he did a vasectomy. I mean, that is, how cool is that? I mean, that's just great. Uh, I think it's the most outrageous thing I've heard of. <laughs> this is an elective procedure. It is totally elective. It's completely elective. Hey, but the, idea the, that the dude's got balls, okay? <laughs> you know, everything's great until, you know, your Rivian suddenly does, you know, there's a short in the wire. There's all kinds yeah. of things that can go wrong. Oh, yeah. And all oh, of a sudden, then you're out of power with an elective procedure. If, <laughs> if the guy does have balls, but if the electricity had gone out and there had been a problem, yeah. this guy yeah. would have such an easy lawsuit and they wouldn't, it would go nowhere near court. They would settle yeah. it immediately. His insurance yeah. company would settle it is an outrage. It's an elective procedure. If you don't have energy, <laughs> you tell the guy we're going to reschedule. You come back later. It is crazy to hook your Rivian up. I know. He, I know he got attention. I know he got a lot of attention. He come did. on, Stefan. That's not. Okay. I know. It. it I know. It, it's crazy. <laughs> but it brings me. It, it reminds me of a funny story. So, I did a lot of vasectomies during my elective career, and I did them all on Fridays, and I'd give all the guys a bunch of Valium. 
and they'd come in and get their procedure done. And I had a guy come in and he had taken his ten of Valium before the procedure. And I'm doing the last minute thing with him and his wife's out there. And I'm like, you know, dude, I said, you know, at the end of every vasectomy at about six weeks out, you bring in a sperm count because it only takes one little sperm. Sperm specimen. Yeah. You bring, you bring a, 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 uh, right. You bring in a specimen, a, a, of, a your, specimen of semen. Yes. Yeah. To make sure that you're right. completely negative because we actually had a case where the guy had had a vasectomy. She'd had a tubal and she got pregnant and he accused her of marital right, malfeasance, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, we did a sperm count on him and he had one sperm. It only takes one. She had one egg that made it through. So we had people bring in a sperm sample about six weeks out to make sure they're shooting blanks. Right. And so he's like, dude, you, I said, you, so I said, you need to ejaculate. Cause what happened is listeners. So you do a vasectomy. You're basically tying off the tubes. Well, there's still our sperm in the tubes. So whatever sperms are left in tubes are still viable. So we said, you, we just kind of, I just kind for, of picked for a period of time for a period of time. So I just picked a random number. You need to like ejaculate at least 20 times before you bring in your sample. And he's like, doc, dude, you got to help me out here. So I'm like, what do you mean help me out? He says, dude, you got to help me out. So I wrote him a prescription that said, you must ejaculate 20 times over the next six weeks, including any means necessary, including spousal assistance. <laughs> the wife looked at me like, Doc, that ain't happening. It was funny, but wow! Back in the day, you could do that. But that's uh, <laughs> quite a prescription, Stefan. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right, let's move on. And uh, uh, you know, we we talked last week about the sales figures, uh, U.S. sales figures, and they're interesting. And as you know, Stefan, I've got a I've got a Ford dealership right outside one of my offices, and I always count numbers. And they uh, have cars. They do well. Finally. Of. Yeah, I counted uh, two months ago, just to remind people, there were zero new F-150s in the lot. And you, I'm used to seeing 30 or 40. Two months ago, there were zero. Uh, last week, Stefan, there were 16 and one. There was one lightning. That's pretty cool. Wow, I can't believe you saw lightning. That must be something the dealer has held that is going to a customer. Kind of like my buddy Joel that bought the Ford GT when he bought it. Um, the dealer sold it to him at cost. They did not upcharge him because he buys all his cars from them. And they said, we'll sell you the car at cost. Can we leave it on the showroom for three months? He's like, absolutely. And it, he's like, every time I bring it for maintenance, you can park it on the showroom. So that's cool. I'm sure that I, I'm hoping that that dealer has done that same kind of thing. Well, the lightning said, was there for, for one day and I went back. To oh, the one day. It was okay. gone. So somebody <laughs> obviously, gone. Okay. Oh, yeah. it was spoken for. But interestingly, so, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give you the F series numbers, uh, sales figures for the first six months. Okay. And uh, then I'll give you the August numbers. So, first six months, 2021, 362,032. So, about 362,000 total for that six month period. Six months, the first six months of 2022. Way down from 362 to 299,000 uh, and some change. A big, big drop. Well, the sales figures bear out what we were just talking about, which is they have cars in the lot. Uh, sales figures for 2022, August, so just last month, 58,000. You multiply that times six months. So it's one month 
58,000. You multiply that times six months, it comes out to about 350,000. So way up, up to kind of what they were uh, in, in 2021. So obviously they're replenishing. But my, my question, Stefan, is, all right, they have F-150s. Why are there no Broncos? I think there's something more than chips. Yeah, there's something about the Bronco that I don't understand what's going on with Ford about the Broncos. I mean, they've got sales, crazy sales. They can't produce them. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd like to sit down. I'd like to ask Farley or James or uh, Ford, explain these figures to me. Yeah. By the way, this this news dropped last week. You cannot order a 2023 Bronco. They closed the books on it. Because they're trying to they're trying to fulfill orders for 2021 models and 2022 models. My neighbor who ordered one still doesn't have have one. This isn't just chips. It makes me wonder: Are there a bunch of Broncos sitting at Jack's lot in Livonia that have manufacturing issues that need right. to be repaired? I mean, it makes it makes me ask the question. You know, I mean, when I was up there, there were a thousand vehicles, and I didn't look out back, but. There's got to be something going on with the manufacturing of these that they can't get them to market. Yeah, and it's got to be. If it was just chips, then we wouldn't have F-150s either. Now we have F-150s. Yep. There were a bunch of Mustangs. So they definitely, you know, they're getting some chips. They have the, the Mustang. Yeah. That is the only car still manufactured by Ford. They don't make any other cars. That's it. True. Mustang's no more, it. No more Focus, no more Fusion. No, that's it. The only car made by Ford in America is the Mustang. Everything else is an SUV or truck. Yeah. It's, Crazy. It's, it's a weird thing. And, uh, you know, just so we don't get all uh, Ford because, you know, there's other manufacturers. Uh, are um, there? Anyone that, <laughs> anyone, that, anyone that I might be, Steve-O, I'm sorry, is there any bills besides Ford that's of interest? Yeah. Okay, may, maybe Cadillac. But I, Maybe I, Dodge with their, with their high-performance stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that, you know, you know just because there's a dealer outside – uh, my office, you know, I think it's a reflection of what they're seeing at at, at Chevy and GMC and Dodge Ram and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, it just it's just very interesting. And again, I think the Bronco there's something more than chips. Yeah. It may be roof related. Who knows? I will just speak that I my neighbor, my good friend and neighbor, just bought a new GMC Denali extended length suburban, basically the extended length suburban, the, the right. Denali version. They're nice. I sat in it, dude primo it is it is really sweet it was very nice i looked at the back where you know they changed the independent rear suspension now versus the tr solid axle a lot of room in that third right. seat finally it's a very nice vehicle I, well, i'd still rather have a, a range the rover though yeah but, but but if you think about it just think about it in this way you're going to your in-laws okay you've got three kids and all their stuff you're going to your in-laws for a week they live three hours away there's nothing else. There's just no other vehicle you want. You want an Expedition or you want a Suburban or you XL. want... XL. You want the XL. XL. You, you want Correct. the XL. Yep. You want Absolutely. the wheelbase. And you get in that car, the kids... It's got to be a dream on the highway. Yeah, it is it is a dream. I've, I've driven it, as you know. It is so comfortable. It is so smooth. It eats up the miles. And you can just drive with your kids. They're in the back doing their thing on, the, on their iPads. And those three hours go by, by quickly... By the way, you don't have to stop for gas. It's just yeah. you just cruise. And that's the one thing Europeans don't understand about how we drive in America. We drive in America miles and miles on the road. I mean, I drove today 
I think 300 and some miles to come to the beach. And it's just cruising. And you want, in America, we like cruisers. Yeah. Just flat out interstate cruisers, slap on the cruise control, sit back, put your head against the headrest, pump some music, and just float down the interstate. And it's it's very nice. The reality oh, yeah. is that if you're if you're in Europe or you're in Asia, you can do that on a train and it's very comfortable. We don't have yes. trains that do yes. that. We we don't have that. Right. So we, we don't have public yeah, exactly. Great point. So you you drive your your suburban or you drive your Yukon and it's it very, is your very train. nice. It's your it, personal train. Yep. Yep. It is great. And I just don't see those going away because it makes so many no. families no. happy. Yep. And it, and it works. Yep. All right, some other some other sales figures. Uh, this I almost uh, personally this makes me uh, sad, and mm. uh, that's Jaguar. So uh, oh, Jaguar yeah, sales, Jag- Jaguar and Aston Martin. Oh, yeah, they're both in trouble. Uh, and you know why? Because uh, they're not owned by the Germans. Think about it. The Germans came in, turned well, around Mini, turned around Rolls Royce. Stefan, Range Rover is not owned by the Germans. So, well, Range Rover's got it right. They, but they, they're such a particular niche. Jaguar yeah. used to be. I know, but. And by the way, Genesis isn't either. So, you know, you can... <laughs> yeah, Genesis is on a roll. And Lexus is on a roll. So I think, you know, actually, Lexus is down now because of parts. But, but Lexus, if they had cars, would be selling tons of them. I think it's the, it's the death of the Jaguar, or the Jaguar brand. Uh, as we have discussed, uh, Stefan, 70s and 80s, the Jaguar XJS was a really, really cool car. That that just yes. the XJ sedan was really, really nice, and it, it was it, it was something you, you you yearned to have, you desired it, and somehow they just lost their way, and, and Jaguar is dead. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I you know Lotus launched their new vehicle; they're going to make it, um, but you know Range Rover does have their engines are from from BMW and some of them, but I think Jaguar. We all hope with their was it the their uh, that the SUV the um, F pace the F pace. They sell a lot of those, but I just don't see Jaguar hanging in there. I think Aston maybe, but you know the Germans came in and and somehow capitulated on the best of the many, and they've turned those. English cars into great things, but I worry. I I don't. I really don't see Jag making it. I think Lotus is going to make it without a doubt. McLaren's going to make it, but I don't see Jag making it. Aston Martin. Ugh, I I I make Jason Aston Martin very iffy. Yeah, I think Aston but, Martin probably. I think on Matt, they're gonna they're gonna make it, but Jag, you're right. I think Jag's up on the chopping table, and maybe B, if BMW and Mercedes were to buy them and set them back on track, I don't know. Well, the, you know, the, the question would be, because again, they went from uh, first six months, 2021, about 9,000 cars. Uh, and then six, the first six months, 2022, 5,000 cars. 5,000 cars. Oh, five. That's right. That's just, that's it's, nothing. It's less than 500 a month. So, oh my gosh. It's not less than 500 months, but it, but it's, you know, maybe 600 a month. It's, it's really, really terrible. And, um, you know, we were talking, you were just mentioning McLaren. I think McLaren, which was going to be bought by Audi six months ago, that was like a done deal. That that deal totally came apart. It looks like BMW is going to uh, probably buy uh, McLaren. It makes sense for BMW to buy McLaren. Yeah. McLaren makes these little sports cars that BMW has. It. 
it doesn't have it makes no sense for bmw or mercedes to buy jaguar why would they no, it's a direct no. competitor yeah it's a direct competitor and um i don't see a future there the only reason to buy Sad them to is buy them for like a dollar take on their debt and kill them and then you get yeah. rid of a competitor but they're getting rid of themselves. Why kill someone who's committing suicide? It's just very, very sad. As someone who admire, and I know you're 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 with me on this. Someone who admires Jaguar, admire Jaguar. Um, it's sad, but they yeah, the E-Type with the straight six. I mean, and the XJS. Those were just phenomenal vehicles. They did not evolve well, and here we no. are. So, uh, a little bit of an epitaph to Jaguar. I'm sorry about that. I'm glad that they're 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 you know they're they're kissing cousin or whatever sibling i guess uh land rover is doing well but as you correctly pointed out uh land rover just threw in the towel they're like we can't design we can't do engines anymore right. so they they're getting all their engines from bmw i think that tie up will get uh will get tighter um i tell you as time goes on the more we talk it's like and i've got two friends of mine that have range rovers if i hit the i don't know if i hit the lottery or whatever but i would absolutely i've always wanted an s class in my automotive portfolio but i can tell you right now i'd replace that with a full-size range rover and i just that to me is it's the epitome of it's an elevated s-class and the g-wagon wouldn't do it but i just love that the range rover just and the new one especially it's just it's That's out great. of the park That's it great. is out of the park yeah i love it's it. it's the ultimate luxury vehicle yeah it really is i'd love to it have is. one Anyway, moving on, um, you know, I'm sorry about Jaguar, but it's life, but we had to talk yeah. about it. Uh, we were talking about the Challenger and Charger last week. Uh, and we yeah, were fake exhaust, fake sounds, fake shifting. But <laughs> right, we we're talking about the the new one, but or the but the concept car, which is which is a battery electric vehicle with that weird uh, artificial sound. But if you look at the sales figures, the Challenger and Charger have been around, as we discussed last week, for 13 years in continuous production, actually longer than that. Uh, it's amazing how long they've been around. These things still sell stuff on. If you look at Challenger plus Charger sales, and the first the first half of 2021, it was about 72,000 units. It's down to about 64,000 units. 64,000 units in six months for a vehicle that's supposedly dead is great. It is amazing. And I looked this up, Stefan. This is some of the vehicles, the Challenger and Charger, these old ancient cars outsold yeah, e-class platform basically right the old it's a, a late 90s late 90s e-class e yes and this thing's been out for about i think 15 model years this is what it outsold it outsold the bmw 3 series plus the x3 wow combined combined those Holy two Michael. cars challenger plus charger those old dinosaurs outsold the ford fucking bronco out <laughs> Outsold the Chevy Colorado, outsold the Chevy Tahoe, the Honda Pilot. It, I had no idea. But you know, they're, they are everywhere, though. I came down the interstate today. I saw a ton of them. And then last week, I saw a wide body okay, charger. Yeah, yeah. Those a wide body charger. And yeah, they just, it's the Dodge, man, the Dodge brothers. It's that whole, they throw big honking engines in there. And, you know, what races on Sunday, sells on Saturday, on Monday, whatever it is. But Dodge has always done an amazing job of throwing monster engines in a car to get people to the showroom and they sell them the smaller engine car. Yes. And yeah. Dodge has done that and they've 
Dodge is the one manufacturer that has proven that works. You know, the Hellcats, all these crazy challengers, but you don't, it's not what you see on the road. You'll see a regular challenger. You might see something with a Hemi in it, but Dodge is the one manufacturer that has been able to continue to do that. Race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Yeah. I think it helps that the Charger looks badass. Um, oh, the Charger is just wicked, man. Yeah. You put a, it's right. just black on black, black wheels. On black, oh my God. It's just, it's nasty. Black yeah. out the windows, man. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's nasty. It's, it is nasty. By the way, uh, one vehicle that the Challenger plus Charger did not outsell yeah. in the first six months of 2022, Stepan. The do Mustang? Not, do not get PTSD. <laughs> they did not combine outsell the Forerunner. Uh, oh, the come on. no, 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 please, dude. <laughs> the Forerunner won't die. Oh, my God. They don't, no, Toyota don't, don't doesn't need... advertise it. They don't oh, promote God. it. They don't discount it. They that don't update it. That piece of shit. They don't that update piece it. Of shit. Oh, All my they God. do is sell this 67,000. Oh, no, I don't want to hear it. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> please stop. That, you know, it's like coming down the road today, it's the same thing as like every other vehicle is an effing Forerunner. I just, I can't. It just pains me to see the number of those on the road. And they, they're a little bit gussied up with a roof thing and this, that. And I'm like, God, please. It's just, they drive awful. You know, but they last forever, though. That's the thing. You can put 400,000 miles on a Forerunner like a Hilux. All right. I went, I, mean, to a, I went to a wedding yesterday, young people. And I was talking to a couple. And uh, they're both like 25 years old, employed. Good jobs. So uh, I was talking to the guy who's kind of a car guy, but not totally. And he was telling me that he has a Toyota Tacoma and he bought it a couple of years ago at sticker. And he bought it because he loved that he could have it forever. He would always have it. It would never break down. And it wasn't yeah. complicated. He goes, there's nothing that can go wrong with it. It's very well built. He goes, and it's never going to depreciate. He goes, I can sell it today for what I bought it for. That's, I mean That's what's going on. Well, that's valid. You know, think about it. You're buying, you're spending your money. Your parents aren't buying you a car for the first time in your life. You're spending your own money that you're working your ass off. You want to buy something that's going to last. And I would tell you, yeah, buy a Tacoma, buy a Forerunner. Right. If that's your lifestyle, you want to be a little bit outdoors. You're right. You're going to get, you're going to get a million miles on that thing. You're going to use it. And then when you sell it, you're going to hardly have, lost any money and why not but if you're a little bit of enthusiast it's it's a terrible car to drive but from that standpoint absolutely i get it it's a vehicle that fulfills that aspect of it it is a great first of all it's hard to say any automotive purchase is an investment but if you want a depreciating asset which most every vehicle is that is the least depreciating in that age group, a Tacoma Forerunner, absolutely, is the most least depreciating asset you can purchase. But, here's but why I still sense. hate them. I still hate them. I know, but here's why. Yeah, here's here's what I can imagine happening. This couple is 25 years old. His his Tacoma is is two years old. Uh, not paid for. He's paying monthly payments on it. He'll he'll make his final payment in about three years, and uh, he'll probably get married in two years, a year or two. Uh, and then he'll start having kids. Let's say he's got three kids, two kids. Uh, that takes us out about 10 years. His oldest kid will learn how to drive on the Tacoma and take the Tacoma to high school and maybe take it to college. 
Meanwhile, he's driving an Accord or a BMW X5 or something, but that vehicle will stay with him. It's a perfect third car. Um, yep. You know, he's done all that math too. So yeah, it's, it's I mean, cool. I mean, even though we hate him and I diss on him, honestly, it's it's money well spent. Yeah. I'll admit that, but it, it it does pain me to admit it. But it's money well spent. <laughs> it pains me. It does, but I mean. Looking statistically, the money, you're right. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right, move on before I get upset. Well, let's talk safety, Stefan. What do you have for us this week? So listeners, you know, my favorite, I've talked about this earlier. My favorite website is the Insurance Institute for Highway and Safety.org, IIHS.org. Yeah, they're funded by the insurance company, so they've got their own motives. But basically, if you think about it, IIHS, they want to pay less money out to people that get injured in car wrecks. They want to pay less money on cars that are involved in fender benders. So their motive, yes, is to, is to pay out less to make more money. But the byproduct of that for me as a trauma surgeon is they want to make sure that people are going to be injured at a lower frequency. And if they're injured, their injuries injuries are going to be less. They're, they're not they're going to be hurt as bad because the car is better. They want someone to go from being dead to being injured, and going from being injured to not injured. Just yes, like and move the curve down. Exactly, move the curve down from being injured to being able to work. So they're not paying disability. So their website is great. They put out a quarterly newsletter, but they had an interesting article. That's published on August 9th. It's called More Sweeping Cell Phone Laws Reduce Crash Rates. So I know I've mentioned this before, talking about, you know, our infrastructure in America needs to change. I just drove over 300 miles today. The road, there were crap roads all over the place. It's that's going to take a while to change. But what we what can we do immediately or today or tomorrow to help reduce the number of injuries, fatalities on our highways? So a very interesting article that came out. And to, to put it very simply is they looked at three states, Oregon, Washington, and California that invoked laws on cell phone use in cars. And, you know, but getting legal in America, you know, every time a lawyer is always involved. But the Oregon and Washington laws basically stated that you can't use a cell you can't hold a cell phone in a car well california was you can't hold it and use it which means that you could get pulled over and say i was holding it but i wasn't using it no i mean come on give me a give me effing break man you got it in your hand okay you're using the damn thing right so oregon and washington had said nope if you basically if you are seen holding it in your hand you're getting a ticket and Oregon and Washington gave out a lot higher fines than California did. So California had people that said, I, I was holding it, but I wasn't using it. So then they had to prove they were using it. And then the fines were less in California than they were in Oregon and Washington. So they looked at convictions went up and everything. Um, but basically, to make it all simple, you know, so here, here was in Oregon, a third of, you know, so in Oregon, if you got caught with your hand in your phone, 
the offenses went up to two thousand dollars for your third offense in six months in jail. I mean, they were wow. serious about it. Wow. But they effected change by having stricter laws that were easy for the cops to enforce. So what happened to the fatality rate? Was there was there a measurable by the way, before you before you give that number? Nothing happens in a vacuum. And uh, of course, during this exact same time, uh, all three of those uh, states uh, legalized marijuana. Uh, and I know marijuana usage went up a lot. And of course, yeah. uh, drunk drivers drive faster, stone drivers drive slower. Well, the thing they looked at, you know, in trying to figure out a statistic that you could actually analyze, what they chose to look at was rear end collisions. And you, you know, listeners, Steve O. How many times have you like looked at your phone like, oh, and you slam on the brakes, right? Because you kind of look down and there's a car stop in front of you. But they looked at that rear injury crash rates dropped from 9 and 11% in Oregon and Washington, respectively. So think about that. Rear in, the rear end injury collision rates dropped. So we know that that's the most common crash that occurs with distracted driving. So they didn't specifically look at fatalities, but they looked at rear rear end injury crash rates. Yeah, it's, I mean it's a good surrogate marker, and I'm sure it, I'm sure it correlates for that reason. But again, you know, I'd like to know what's happening to speeding because you know drunk drivers go fast, stone drivers go slow, and slow drivers are less likely to rear end somebody. Yeah, you know, but it, that's why we have this rear. Um, a lot of cars now have the emergency braking technology, right, and IIHS did a whole nother study on that, that that's a great, I mean, it basically what it saves them is the $5,000 fender better. I mean, you basically, if you rear in somebody now at five to 10 miles an hour, it is a minimum of five grand. It costs them a lot of money. So they want to stop that. But you're right, Steve-O, the fatalities are higher rate crashes, which are of interest to IHS. But I would probably have to say that is not as much of interest to them as the 15 to 30 mile per hour crash that causes a rear end front end collision. But, yeah, I, I read an article recently that said that ADAS in general has had no impact on fatalities and ADAS is active driver assistance system. So lane keeping, uh, emergency right. braking assist, all those things. I'd love, I'd love to see where it actually moves the needle. So far it hasn't. You know, but, you know, so we talked about last podcast is, you know, America's in the bottom quartile when it comes to fatalities on our roads. And that's all that's all around. That's trucks, that's pedestrians, pedicyclists, everything. But so I can't wait to get to Germany next week. And just to get in, I'm going to be very observant of people driving. I, I can tell you that I imagine I'm not going to see somebody going down the interstate at 100 miles per hour with the left hand on the wheel and a big gulp in the right hand. <laughs> okay. Or I'm not going to I'm I, not going to yeah. see somebody cruising down the road, left hand on the wheel, right hand on their phone talking. I well, think they need the hand for their cigarette, but your your points well yeah. taken, Stefan. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, when I remember I told you listeners a long time ago, I'd go to, we go to Paris to Cannes with Claude and the Maserati Quattro Porto. We're in the back seat. He's smoking Dunhills with driving gloves on, no radio, dead silence in the car. The window belly cracked over to smoke because he was concentrating doing 110 to 120 in the left-hand lane, flashing people to get out of the way. He was totally focused on the task. It's kind of like Steve-O when you know that 
friend of yours that was a Porsche driver whose father drove raced Porsches. He was always focused, but incredibly smooth. And yeah. because he was focused, he was smooth. I never Same felt thing. so safe. Never felt so safe in a car as, as when I was yeah. in a car with a racing driver, a retired yeah. racing driver. You know, so. people talk about training and they talk about drivers that and all that stuff. Um, unfortunately, it really comes down to parents, and parents need to teach their kids how to drive safely, and they need to set a good example. If you're a mom or your dad and you're driving, your kids are in the back seat and you're on your phone, you're not paying attention, you're you're googling something, or you're checking Facebook or Instagram while you're driving, your kids are going to pick up that exact habit. And that's what's happening. I think it's, it's unfortunately, in a lot of cases, it, it reflects bad parenting and yes. not, not prioritizing road safety. Yes, exactly. You know, we always forget about being good parents and setting examples. And that's absolutely right. The behavior behind the wheel. And, you know, it's amazing when the, the traffic laws first started coming out. And we had kids in back seats. I remember parents telling stories about their kids telling the parents to put their seatbelts on. Yeah, yeah, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt because they would never put a kid unrestrained, but the parents wouldn't do it. But you're right. Now we need to say, mommy, daddy, it's like going out to a restaurant. Put down the damn phone and have a conversation with a human. It's, that's just a great put, analogy. Just put it, put, put down the damn phone. Drive the car. I mean, you know, I'll tell you, Steve O. If we had more stick shifts in this country, this would be less of an issue because when you drive, you are operating a vehicle that has a stick shift. You're not simply driving. You're operating the vehicle. Yeah. You're thinking about it. Every step. You're, Both you're feet, right hand, left hand. Of necessity more involved. So All four extremities are involved. So, All right. Well, let's leave it at that. Beautiful. All right. Listen, again, thanks for your service and your trip to, uh, to Germany. I'm very interested in hearing oh, yeah. what you learned. Can't wait to tell safety. you about it. Safety-wise, it's going to be great. So, uh, yeah, for everybody, thanks again, and uh, that's it. Look, license, look, look. What's the, what, what's the word? Uh, subscribe, like, whatever, people. Please just do all that stuff so we can keep going. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Boy.